Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. I'm your host, Eric Flickinger, and today we're going to look at lesson number five in the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide. Lesson number five is entitled, Jesus the Giver of Rest. And with us today is the author of the lesson, and that is Dr. Felix Cortez. He is the Associate Professor of New Testament Literature at Andrews University. Pastor Felix, welcome back again. Nice to see you again. So let's take a look at this. Jesus, the giver of rest. Our memory text for this is, I think, a familiar one to many people. It's Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 9, which says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And some versions say a Sabbath rest for the people of God. God has a desire that his people should enter into a rest. And there are several different ways that he wants his people to be able to rest. You really delve into that in this chapter in several different ways. And, and I like on Sunday's lesson how we look at what God's original promise to Abraham was. He wanted his people to have a place that they could rest, uh, not just physically, but also having a, a, a connection with God, if you will, uh, the land as a place of rest. What was it that God originally promised to Abraham? And through extension, he really wants to promise to us as well. So, yes, uh, that is a very important promise. When Abraham uh, went out from the land uh, of his family uh, to the land God promised him, uh, the land of Canaan, God said to him, this land is going to be yours. It's going to be for your children. And, uh, but, you know, possession of the land was not enough. What God wanted for them was beyond possession. He wants them to have prosperity. He wants them to have something that in, in Hebrew is called shalom. This shalom is not simply peace as a result of the absence of conflict, but it is a rounded uh, concept in which shalom has to do with well-being. And God wanted Israel to be in their own land protected from their enemies, you know, but not only that, they were going to be well. They were going to be with God, which was the main, the central element of their well-being. So that, that was the purpose of the land. So we have this, this idea of shalom, of, of well-being, uh, having this rest, this, this place where they could experience that, but, but not so much just the land but that relationship with God. And in order to have a, a positive relationship with God, or, or really for that matter, a positive relationship with anyone, you need to spend time with them. And on, uh, on the same lesson, you talk about the importance of the Sabbath in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 12. We won't uh, take time to read through all those verses. I think most of us are probably at least somewhat familiar with them. But why is this concept of a, of a Sabbath rest, this time, also very important in experiencing this? It is uh, very interesting and very important because Hebrews connects both rests. The rest of the promise for the people of Israel of a land when, where they will not have conflict with, with their enemies and they will be well, they will be prosperous, and also a Sabbath rest. Uh, both of them are important elements for God. Let me put it this way. The, the land was the geographical framework that would make possible for the people of Israel to be with God in their own land. 
When God brought them out of the land of Egypt, God said in Exodus 19, I brought you to myself. That is to say, God brought them to the land because he wanted to be with them. He wanted to have intimacy. Uh, He wanted to have uh, a perfect relationship with Israel. Now, the Sabbath rest, which is the seventh day Sabbath, is a temporal framework, you see, that makes possible this relationship with God. Both of them, time and space, are just the frameworks that make possible something more important, the relationship with God, which is the true rest, which is what really is well-being, which is that, uh, the, what God wants for us. So, so the, both elements, Sabbath and land, are really connected. And if you go to Hebrews, you're going to find that there is a third element that is connected, is the sanctuary. Because in, if you go to the Old Testament, I, I, Isaiah 66.1, and in Psalm 132 and other passages, you're going to find that God calls the temple, my rest. When you go to the temple, you go to God. And when you are in relationship with God, you have rest. So you enter the land to be with God. You enter the Sabbath to be with God. You enter the temple to be with God. Jesus, God himself, it is the center of that rest. So we have a place for rest. We have a time for rest. We have the, the sanctuary also that provides us with rest. But central to all of that is this relationship with God. It doesn't matter where you are or, or when you spend the time, but if you don't have the person to spend the time with, you can try all you want to rest, but all that rest is going to, to end up in restlessness if you don't have that connection. It's an, an enormously important connection. And God wants his people to have that connection. He's, he's wanted it from the beginning. And yet we often, sadly, we distance ourselves from the only one who can give us rest. Monday, you delve into this, this concept that people wanted rest. They wanted to enter the promised land, but they couldn't go in. In verse number 19, it says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They didn't believe and they couldn't enter into the promised land. Many people today don't believe. Now, some may have an intellectual assent to, to the idea that, that God exists, that Jesus exists, that, that there is something better beyond this life, but, but a real genuine uh, seated-in-the-heart belief is lacking in many people's experience. Why, is this, why does this unbelief prevent us from having this rest that God wants us to have? Well, Belief or faith is central uh, for any relationship with God. Because God has some very, very strong messages for us that we need to do. And we are not going to do them unless we trust him. Let me explain this. If you go to the doctor... And the doctor tells you, no, in order for you to get well, you need to take this medicine. You need to undergo this surgery. You need to take these shots. You need faith. 
in what the doctor is saying to you. Because if you don't have faith, you're not going to go through all those uh, uh, treatments that he's suggesting to you. The same happens with God. God uh, tells you, you need to trust me. We're going to do this together. And that's what happened with Israel. They, they came to, to um, Kadesh Barnea uh, a few months uh, after Sinai. They, they were there ready to enter the promised land. And God told them, do not be worried because of their cities. Warriors, they have tall warriors. Don't worry about their armies. I am going to go before you. I'm going to give you this land. You trust me. And the people of Israel came to the border of the land and said, you know, why don't we send spies? Why, why they didn't, what, what did they do to send spies? Well, God says, okay, send them. And the, and the spies went and, and found that there were very big cities, very fierce and strong warriors. And they began to doubt. And they say, you know, we cannot enter. This is, this is a really difficult thing. We are not warriors. We're just slaves that have been delivered from a nation. Um, and they didn't believe. And therefore, they were not able to enter. The same happens with us when we, when we, go, we, when we get converted, Eric. Sometimes God says to you, okay, you have accepted me. Now we're going to do this. We're going to change this and we're going to transform our lives in these ways. And, and then suddenly we say, God, I don't think we can do that. It is too much. Uh, we lack faith. You see, that is what happened. It is also important. Uh, without faith, you cannot have true rest. L let me give you an example. How, when is that you really rest? When you have finished your job and when you have made perfect provision for the future. When have we finished our jobs? When have we made perfect provision to the future? You know, if we stop to think, we don't have perfect provision for the future. We don't have the future in our hands. The only way to really rest, be at peace, is to trust that God is leading us and that he has made provision and that he has finished the work of our salvation. And therefore, we can say, God, thank you. I can rest, really rest. You see, that is impossible without faith. But when you have faith, you trust. Then, it's not simply stop working on Sabbath. It is also a spiritual rest. Say, God, today we're going to enjoy the salvation you have provided to us. Because we trust in what you have done for us. So faith is huge. Faith really impacts the way that we live our lives. Uh, one might say that that one's faith is lived out in in actions in the 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 decisions that we make the choices that we make the things that we do or don't do are really impacted by how strong or how weak our faith happens to be there's a passage here that you reference in in Hebrews chapter 4 uh I'll read well, maybe not all of it but uh, but a portion of it in Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse number 7 it says, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, 
Today, after such a long time as it has been said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, we're not going to have time before the break to to completely unpack this. I want to come back and do that. But give us a teaser. Why is this so important for us to understand in, in its connection with faith before we take a quick break? Well, before we go to the break, I just want to say this, is that the central element of this passage is that Joshua did not give them that rest. How is Scripture saying this? When you go to Joshua, you're going to say, God has fulfilled his promise today, you, to, to you today. You, we, you have entered into the rest. Now Hebrews comes and says, you haven't. What, what is happening here? Is What happens is that the possession of the land was just the first step God wanted to fulfill. But God said uh, through Paul later on, I was not able to give them the rest that I wanted to give you. I gave them the land, but I was not able to give them the extra, which was the most important thing. And we're going to talk about that, about that when, we, when we return. So what is the extra? We're going to find out in just a moment. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, be sure to visit the shop. It is written.shop and pick up the companion volume to this quarter's study on the book of Hebrews. It is written.shop. You will find it there and you will be blessed as you work your way through the pages filled with information, more than you found in the adult Sabbath school Bible study guide and even more than what we're able to cover here in today's program. We're going to be back in just a moment as we continue looking at the fulfillment of these promises from God. We'll see you in just a moment. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000. You could visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to Sabbath School. We are taking a look at this rest that God wants us to enter into. And we kind of, we teased a little bit of what's going on here in chapter 4. I want to come back to verse number 11 again and kind of fill in where we what we've covered and then go a little deeper. He says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So let's talk a little bit more about this rest. It didn't happen in Joshua's time, at least not in its entirety, and we're still looking forward to that. What can we look forward to? So what happened with Joshua is that God gave them the land through Joshua. So God... Uh, uh, this destroyed the city of Jericho. And, and God led them in their fights against the Canaanite kings, and they controlled the territory. Yet, Israel did not completely uh, expelled the nations God wanted to be expelled 
And Israel allowed these nations to be in their midst. And uh, uh, Moses had told them, if you allow them to be there, they're going to be like thorns in your sides and temptations because they are going to tempt you to go after idolatry, after false gods. But Israel was not um, faithful enough to complete the journey, you see, to complete what God wanted to do. Therefore, when you have, for example, Judges 1, the first chapter of Judges, you you find out that after the death of Joshua, uh, the tribe of Judah says, you know, we're going to uh, conquer the territory that we haven't conquered yet. So they still have elements that they didn't completely finish the previous part. Now, the beautiful thing about this, um, uh, Eric, is that if you go to the Greek, Joshua is uh, spelled Jesus, which is exactly the name Jesus. So we have here Jesus in the Exodus, and you have here Jesus now. Jesus is the true, the final, the, we will say in a theological language, the eschatological one. The eschatological Jesus, meaning the Jesus that is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. He is the one who is leading us into the rest. Now, how is he doing that? Well, he is forgiving our sins. He is cleansing us from any impurity, from any um, transgressions we have made. This allows us for us to have perfect access to God. But that is not the whole thing. You know, forgiveness is essential, is important, but it's not the end of it. The second part is that he's going to come back for us and he's going to lead us into his kingdom so that we can enter into the promised land where the rest we have been begun to experience is going to be completely fulfilled. Now, um, uh, Eric, probably I, I should say something here, is that there is, th- the fact that Hebrews calls the rest a Sabbath rest is very significant. I have talked a little too much now, but probably we, we, we need to go into that. What is this Sabbath aspect of the rest? And, and, and we will do it in, in just a moment. All right, so we're going we're gonna to hit that in just a second, as you mentioned. But how is it that we enter this rest? You know, we, we want to have this rest. It didn't get completely fulfilled in, in Joshua's time. He wants it to be fulfilled for his people. How do we get there? How do we get to that point where we can finally have rest? How does that happen? That's a really important question. Um, the, the fulfillment of the promises of God happen in two stages in Christian life. There is what I, it's, it's, not a, it's not a perfect term, but it is what I will call a spiritual reality and then a, a, a full, complete reality. You see, when Jesus comes into your heart, he gives you the Spirit of God. And when he gives you the Spirit of God, you have love, joy, peace. 
All those elements, Eric, are already aspects of life in heaven. Life in heaven is going to be a life of love, joy, patience, etc. So we have begun to experience the eternal life through the Spirit right now, today, spiritually. But that is not, all, not the whole thing, right? There's going to come a time when we're going to have that completely fulfilled when Jesus comes again. So you have these two elements. The same happens when Jesus says that we are going to be resurrected. When you and I are baptized, there is a resurrection, but there is first a spiritual resurrection. That is to say, your old self dies. We are, you know, we are uh, buried in water. And we resurrect to a new life. And what happens with this new life? God giving us his spirit produces in you a new element, a new person. This, person's, this person wants to be like God. He wants to be faithful. He wants to be uh, loving and patient as God wants us to be. This transformation, Eric, is the first step of a final transformation, which is the resurrection or the transformation of our bodies, you see. And so everything happens in these two stages. Today, Eric, we can approach God through prayer. And we come into the presence of God in prayer. That is true. But it does, that is not the whole thing. We pray. But when Jesus comes again, we will see his face, says Revelation 1. This is the fulfillment, you see. So, Yes, today we need to experience this spiritual aspect of salvation. It needs to be real, needs to be historical, needs to be objective, needs to be experienced personally. And if you have that, the author of the, New, the books of the New Testament will say, you have had Paul in 1 Corinthians, for example, said you, you have had the first installment of salvation. And this first installment of salvation gives you the warranty that you're going to get the second installment. So that is how we experience this rest, right? I'm forgiven, even though I, I have debts with, uh, I, even though I don't, I have a little bit of sickness, it doesn't matter. God has forgiven me. I have begun to experience this rest, you see? God has given me joy, peace in my heart. That's fine. Even though my neighbor sometimes has loud parties and doesn't let me sleep well Friday night before church, it doesn't matter because I have begun to experience the life of heaven. That's how we enter into the rest. So we can start now. And, and God has given us a foretaste, and you alluded to this just a few minutes ago, a foretaste of what the rest to come is going to look like. He's given us the Sabbath today that we can enjoy at least a little bit of what that real rest is going to look like. Why is the Sabbath so important for us today if we want to be able to look forward to what is to come? That is a very important question, especially for Adventists, that we need to understand is that the Sabbath, our Sabbath observance needs to be an uh, pre-taste, a foretaste of heaven. It's like if God says, let me, let me you have a little taste of what is this going to be in the future. So God, when we enter into the Sabbath, we need to experience in our spiritual life 
what God wants us to experience fully when he comes again. That's why it's a Sabbath rest. You know, when you go to rabbinical literature and Jewish literature, you're going to find that, yes, there were some things, some developments that probably we wouldn't be in, agree- in agreement with, with some of rabbinical literature. But regarding the Sabbath, there were important elements. And one of those elements that is that in rabbinical literature, the Sabbath is a foretaste of the coming age. One of the rabbinical writings says that the Sabbath is the 60th of the coming age. If you divide the coming age in 60 pieces, you take one piece into the present, that is the Sabbath. Uh, you have another rabbinical literature that says that Israel asked God, if we are faithful to you, what are we going to receive? Uh, and then God says, you are going to receive the coming age. And then the people of Israel ask, well, show us its likeness. How is the coming age like? And then the rabbinical literature, then God gave them the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath is, is, is that foretaste. Now, what happens when you keep the Sabbath? If, if you're still having grudges, you know, you cannot forgive your, your, your brother, your sister. If you're still worried about things, if you don't feel forgiven, the combination is not going to be like that. The combination needs to have you forgiven, needs to have you forgiving others, needs to, needs to have you living in, in agreement, not in agreement, in peace with others. That is the kind of rest we need to experience. You see, when we enter a south, says, God, help me understand that I have been forgiven. Help me understand that I have been saved. And since I am saved, I am at peace. God, help me forgive my brother, my sister, my neighbor, my fellow worker, because of what they did. Because I cannot live like this forever. I want to be at peace. You see, that's why, uh, Eric, Sabbath observance is the culmination of righteousness by faith. Sabbath doesn't have to do anything with legalism. It's completely the opposite of legalism. Sabbath is really the culmination of a life that trusts completely in God. So much so that he's willing to stop working. Why do we stop working? Because we know that God has made provision for us, right? Why we smile on the church? Because we're perfect. Not, no, because we have been forgiven. So that is Sabbath, the culmination of a life of faith, of trust in God. And, and, and once you experience Sabbath like this, you're going to experience the, the, the land rest, right? The, the, the sea rest in the future. Because this Sabbath is the first installment. It's the first experience of the later one. If you're looking to experience rest, if you live a life of restlessness, the Sabbath may be a significant stepping stone on experiencing what God has in store for you in the future. Thank you for joining us again this week on Sabbath School. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue our journey through the incredible book of Hebrews. God bless you. We'll see you next time.